An alarm to the unconverted. The motives to conversion. Though what is already said of the necessity of conversion and of the miseries of the unconverted might be sufficient to induce any considerate mind to resolve upon a present turning unto God, yet, knowing what a piece of desperate obstinacy and untractableness the heart of man naturally is, I have thought it necessary to add to the means of conversion and directions for a covenant closure with God in Christ. Some motives to persuade you to be reconciled to God. Lord, fail me not now in my last attempts. If any soul has read up till now and is yet untouched, Lord, fasten on him and do your work. Now take him by the heart. Overcome him, persuade him, until he say you have prevailed, for you are stronger than I. Lord, it's not you make me a fisher of men, and have I toiled all this while and caught nothing. And alas, that I should have spent my strength for naught, and now I am casting my last. Lord Jesus, stand thou upon the shore, and direct how and where I shall spread my net, and let me so enclose with arguments the souls I seek that they may not be able to get out. Now, Lord, for a multitude of souls, now for a full draft. O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me this once, O God. But now I turn unto you, men and brethren. Heaven and earth call to you. Yea, hell itself preaches the doctrines of repentance to you. The ministers of the churches labor for you. The angels of heaven wait for you, for your repenting and turning to God. O oh, sinner, why should devils laugh at your destruction and deride your misery and sport themselves with your folly? This will be your case, except you turn. And were it not better you should be a joy to angels and a laughing stock and sport for devils? Verily, if you would but come in, the heavenly hosts would take up their anthems and sing, Glory to God in the highest. The morning stars would sing together, and all the sons of God shout for joy, and celebrate this new creation as they did the first. Thy repentance would, as it were, make a holiday in heaven, and the glorious spirits would rejoice in that there is a new brother added to their society. Another heir born to the Lord, and the lost son received safe and sound. The true penitent's tears are indeed the wine that maketh glad both God and man. If it be little that men and angels would rejoice at thy conversion, know thou that God himself would rejoice over you, even with singing and rest in his love. Never did Jacob with such joy weep over the neck of his Joseph as your heavenly father would rejoice over you upon your coming to him. Look over the story of the prodigal son. Methinks I see how the aged father lays aside his state and forgetteth his years. Behold how he runs. Oh, the haste that mercy makes. The sinner makes not half that speed. Methinks I see how his bowels move, how his compassions yearn, how quick-sighted is love. Mercy spies him a great way off, forgets his riotous courses, unnatural rebellion, horror and unthankfulness. Not a word of these, and receives him with open arms, clasps him about his neck, kisses him, 
Calls for the fatted calf, the best robe, the ring, the shoes, the best cheer in heaven's store, the best attire in heaven's wardrobe. Yea, the joy cannot be held in his own breast. Others must be called to participate. The friend sympathize, but none knows the joy the father has in his newborn son, whom he has received from the dead. Methinks I hear the music at a distance, oh, the melody of the heavenly choristers. I cannot learn the song, Revelation 14, verse 3, but methinks I overhear the burden at which all the harmonious choir with one consent strikes sweetly in. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I need not further explain the parable. God is the Father, Christ is the provision, His righteousness the robe, His grace the ornaments, ministers, saints, and angels, the friends and servants. And thou that thou readest, if thou wilt, but unfeignedly repent and turn, the welcome prodigal, the happy instance of this grace, the blessed subject of this joy and love. O rock, O adamant, what? Not moved yet, not yet resolved to turn forthwith and to close with mercy. I will try thee yet once again. If one were sent to you from the dead, would you be persuaded? Why hear the voice from the dead, from the damned, crying to you that you would repent? I pray you that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. If one went to them from the dead, they will repent. Hear, O man, your predecessors in impenitence preach to you from the infernal flames, that you should repent. O look down into the bottomless pit. See thou how the smoke of their torment ascendeth forever and ever. What thinketh thou of those chains of darkness? Can you be content to burn? Seest thou how the worm gnaws, how the fire rages? What do you say to that gulf of perdition? Will you take up your habitation there? Allay your ear to the door of hell. Hear thou the curses and blasphemies, the weepings and the wellings. How they lament their follies and curse their day. How do they roar and gnash their teeth? How deep their groans, how inconceivable their miseries. If the shrieks of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were so terrible, when the earth clave asunder and opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and all that pertained to them, did all Israel fled at the cry of them, How fearful would the cry be if God should take off the covering from the mouth of hell and let the cry of the damned ascend in all of its terror among the children of men and of all their moans and miseries. This is a piercing, killing emphasis and burden forever, forever. As God lives that made your soul, you are but a few hours distant from all this, except you repent and be converted. Oh, I am even lost and swallowed up in the abundance of those arguments that I might suggest. If there be any point of wisdom in all the world, it is to repent and come in. If there be anything righteous, anything reasonable, this is it. If there be anything that may be called madness and folly, 
In anything that may be counted sottish, absurd, brutish, and unreasonable, it is this, to go on in your unconverted state. Let me beg of you, and you would not willingly destroy yourself. Sit down and weigh, besides what has been said, these following motives, and let conscience say if it be not most reasonable that you should repent and turn. The God that made you most graciously invites you. His most sweet and merciful nature invites you. Oh, the kindness of God, his boundless compassion, his tender mercies. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. He is full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy. This is a great argument to persuade sinners to come in. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repents him of the evil. If God would not repent of the evil, it would be some discouragement to our repenting. If there were no hope of mercy, it would be no wonder that rebels should stand out. And ever had subjects such a gracious prince, such pity, patience, and clemency to deal with as you have. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? Micah 7 verse 18. O sinners, see what a God you have to deal with. If you will but turn, he will turn again and have compassion on you. He will subdue your iniquities and cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. Return unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will return unto you. Sinners, do not fail in that they have too high thoughts of God's mercies, but in that they overlook his justice, or they promise themselves mercy out of God's way. His mercies are beyond all imagination, great mercies, manifold mercies, Nehemiah 9 verse 19. Tender mercies, sure mercies, everlasting mercies, in all is thine own, if you will but turn. Are you not willing to come in? The Lord has laid aside his tear and erected a throne of grace. He holds forth a golden scepter, touch and live. Would a merciful man slay his enemy when prostrate at his feet, acknowledging his wrong, begging pardon, and offering to enter with him into a covenant of peace? Much less will the merciful God study his name, Exodus 34, verse 7, keep in mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin. His soul encouraging calls and promises invite you. Ah, oh, when an earnest suitor is mercy to you, how lovingly, how instantly it calls after you, how earnestly it woos you. Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, for I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever, only acknowledge thine iniquity. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. Return, and I will heal your backslidings. You have played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return unto me, saith the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that he turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? If the wicked will turn from all of his sins, and he is committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. 
all the transgressions that he has committed. They shall not be mentioned to him. In his righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Repent and turn you from all your transgressions. So iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore turn yourselves and live ye, O melting gracious words, the voice of God and not of a man. This is not the manner of men. For the offended sovereign to sue to the offending traitorous rebel. Oh, how doth mercy follow you and plead with you? Is not your heart broken yet, that today you would hear his voice?